Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and Ten. Hi, Ten. How are you? Happy October. Happy October. The sun is shining. The tank is clean. I got my save the dates in and I'm, so excited. I'm going wedding dress shopping soon. So I'm so excited. I got to save the date. I was like, time was talking about wedding. I was like, am I even going to be invited? Like such a dumb question, but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm already like, you don't want to assume. True. And like, I, I was thinking, cause it's taking place next Halloween. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're going to have to pack our podcasting equipment. We're going to have to be filming a podcast live in Mexico. Like, yeah. So what? I, it's going to be perfect. The ghost host take on Mexico. Like, yeah, maybe we'll do going like on a the vlog. Road. We'll do like a vlog or something. And like, how hard is it to pack up a computer and a microphone? You know what I mean? We could podcast wherever we want. I always think about that. We could just decide to up and go to Arkansas and just podcast there if we wanted to. Arkansas. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're doing something in Arkansas. I don't know. Ten. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's the haunting in Arkansas. I don't know, man. But maybe. Yeah. It's it's Halloween or it's. October. So it is Halloween season. So I'm getting super excited. I go, um, I fly home in a few days to go pick out a wedding dress and everything. And for the good people out there, I finally have a hard cover copy version of my dissertation. It is finally in, it's gone oh, to the presses. She is done. I just got an email like an hour ago that was like, here's your digital diploma. Here you go. Congratulations. And I was like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> I know. In case you're wondering, I finally said congratulations to 10. She did. I was in the store the other day and she was like, I got my dissertation. And I'm like, okay, I need to see it in person. Yes. And is it fully binded? Because I'm not saying congrats until I see it. <laughs> until we see, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Where is it? Show me this dissertation. It's mythical. And she's well, like, well, you want to make sure. I, oh, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir, man. <laughs> I feel like college is always trying to squeeze more money out of you. That's why I was like, I don't want to say anything because what if they're like, oh, you know what, Ten? Surprise. You actually owe $5,000 because we need to rebind everything. And like, we had to re-edit your paper and then you wouldn't have been done. And then I would have felt like it was my fault. If you just said congratulations too early. (laughs) No, we're even like that. Um, Some people have this like superstition about babies too. Like I know in some cultures, like people won't say anything or have baby showers until like a certain month. And like, I'm very much like that. Like I am very much like, don't tell me shit. I don't want to know. I want it to be a surprise. No, don't tell me anything. Um, Like I said, that superstition be kicking in, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I think we wait till like three or four months before anyone says anything about a baby. So sense like right after like the first trimester into the second one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was superstitious, but I'm happy for you. Congratulations. I'll say for the podcast and your dissertation. We did it. Hi, Voodoo. <laughs> she's joining us today on the podcast. Pluto was, he's also staring at me because he's like, um, hello, you've been working all day. Where are my cuddles, mama? <laughs> yeah, we've been doing um a ton of research for this episode today, so. Yes. But before we dive in, you know, to the big heavy hitter today and really just going for a a home run with it, how are you doing? How am I doing? Well, I'm so happy you asked. Um, I'm doing really good. I'm trying to think, um, if I've done anything like hobby related, I've just been really like Mm. deep diving into like the Gilmore girls. Um, I'm working on baking a pumpkin bread. I'm really trying to get into the spirit. Um, if you listen to our fall bucket list episode, I'm trying to tick those things off my list. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also am like on the hunt for like a vintage Levi's corduroy jacket from like the nineties. Ooh, I want one. I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to change the way I think about clothes. Like I used to buy a lot of fast fashion and now I really want like pieces that I can keep for a long period of time that like, I don't know. I'm not really like, I wouldn't say I'm trendy. Like I don't want to be trendy. I want to have style, but I don't want to be trending anymore. You know? Yeah. You want to curate your own style with pieces that, you know, are eternal in a sense, like they're immortal. Like uh, a jean jacket is going to stand against the tides of time, you know, like that's going to outlive all of us. Leather jackets, jean jackets. Like I have quite a few and I love wearing them in the fall. So flannels, like flannels never go old in the nineties, a good pair of Levi's jeans. So I'm actually um, doing some work on finding some thrifted items, like trying to buy um, secondhand. I don't know. I've been doing a lot of research on fast fashion lately and it's just really horrible for the environment and the work conditions. And listen, I've bought things from fast fashion, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, how dare you people do that? Like I've done it. Like I yes. still do do it, but, um, I want to buy things that are a little bit more that last longer. Like sometimes you buy shit and you wash it once it just falls apart. Oh my God. That's nothing like, is more heartbreaking. What was the point of this? What was the point of this? I mean, you know? I'm, I'm excited for, it wasn't on our fall bucket list, but you know, the girls of sticks and bones, the hex girls, if you will, we're heading to a baseball game this week. So, oh, we are. I'm so excited. The Sticks and Bones crew, Danielle's coming with us. We're leaving on Friday. And Rachel. <laughs> yeah, it's we're going. All the, girls. To, all the girls. Yeah, Rachel's coming to work with us on Friday. So, we have a lot of fun new faces here at Sticks and Bones that are going to be helping us with the organization, inventory, and shipping in the store because you guys have been so incredible and amazing. And mm-hmm. we can't thank you enough that, like, we literally have employees now. Like, I know. I know. You know, like, it kind of freaks me out that like people enjoy working for us. I'm like, I'm always checking in to make sure that I'm like, are you having fun? Are the girls having fun here? What are the girls doing? Like we order Dunkin', we get our pumpkin spice lattes. It's, it's so different than like this time last year or even last kind of holiday Christmas winter season when we released our first mystery box line. And I remember Kevin running behind us bubble wrapping a machine behind us and it was just us three on the ground being like I can't believe we just did that and now we have Danielle and then we're bringing Rachel on and it's just like we made it man like it's wild I know but it's kind of scary being a boss like I want to make sure everyone's <laughs> having fun yeah because I worked in really shitty like environments before and like shipping can be like you know strenuous especially you know with mystery boxes and candles um, but you know, I'm always checking in, you know, we're always, we're always trying to have fun. I think we're fun, but you know, you think you're the fun boss until like someone starts working for you. Um, <laughs> we are fun. I think we're fun, but yeah, we're really excited. So thanks for all of the support for the Halloween collection. Um, it is some of our favorites. Speaking of hex girls, the hex girls roller is in our collection, which is a return to sender, a bestseller for those of you that were with us last year. It's back. It only she- comes back during Halloween. She was the moment. She is an icon. Like we're, we, we performed necromancy and we, we brought her menu, her uh, ingredients back from the dead this year. Oh, we did. So for those of you that don't know what she does, the hex <laughs> girls roller is if you're trying to send energy back to people and it does send it back with spice. Like we've had clients tell us, um, it does give migraines back to people. Like 
we had someone say like, you know, one of their family members was like making fun of them. And then like literally an hour later, they got one of the worst migraines of their life and they were wearing our roller. Um, we had someone say that like they, one of their friends was making fun of them and then they fell down the stairs and it's like, maybe you should shut up. Yeah. Just saying. Maybe. I don't know. So Hex Girls, go get her. She's only available during Samhain. But mm-hmm. anyway, we could sit here and talk about the amazing fun things we have planned, but we can't, Ten, because today we're talking about something so crazy, so wild. We're talking about the Warrens. Well, I thought we were getting a little spicy when we covered Lucifer. I thought what? Lucifer was nuts. No, this. This is nuts. This, this is top tier. What the fuck is happening? And the chokehold of the Warrens, both in the paranormal communities, in, out of it, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Where to begin? Where do you want to dive in, Chelsea? So we're going to start from the very beginning. And this was a highly requested topic because as y'all know, I I am a paranormal enthusiast. I love doing paranormal investigations. So we're going to be giving our two cents, but the Warrens are infamous for those of you that don't know. In the paranormal community, some people arguably would say they're the most famous and have paved the way for a lot of paranormal um shows people etc horror in general um really were part of the satanic panic era so their names are huge even within the catholic church um and so if you don't know who they are they're behind some of the most famous cases they have are the conjuring house and annabelle the amityville house which we dove into i think last year that was like one of our halloween episodes i think so too it might have launched around this time last year too, which is crazy. <laughs> but I am going to be diving into the basics of Ed and Lorraine Warren. We are going to present to you today the information on who they are, some of their cases, and some of the um, their credibility and some of their accusations against them. And, you know, we, we are going to sit here and say, I just want to give you our bias that these yeah. people should probably be in jail for a criminal <laughs> acts yeah. um, for the damage that they've done in the paranormal community. Just to get this right off the bat, I'm going to present my bias. Yeah. I've studied it. I've Ted and I have been studying this all day. Um, they're, they're to me, they're horseshit. And I can't believe they get as much recognition and made as much money. It's really sad, actually. Yeah, everything like I will go into it at the end like I've constructed a whole ass timeline and it's when you see it laid out in that way and everything is just presented in front of you taken as a whole you really are just like what happened and you know in recent years so many people have come out against them and really showcased that like you know when does sensationalism become too much and where is that line when you are you know quote-unquote helping other people. Yep. And, um, this is the PSA, like as professionals, um, especially, you know, I do a lot of mediumship work and paranormal work. We have to have ethics and draw the line of when is it a mental illness issue going on here versus when is it actually a paranormal, Mm -hmm. um, situation that's happening. And, um, we're going to go through this and you guys will see as we present the cases that a lot of it's actually really sad because, yeah. They were preying on a lot of people's mental health issues and convincing people things that weren't actually happening um, yeah. and making money off of it and saying it was paranormal. So, yes. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's dive into it. So, to understand Ed and Lorraine Warren, mm-hmm. okay, they are a married couple. Um, we have to go back into who they are, how they met, and, you know, how are they coming into these paranormal investigations? This is really where I'm going to start. So, Ed and Lorraine met 
1944 um, when they were teenagers. So they have been together for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And um, in 1945, Ed enlisted in the Navy and he was aboard a ship that actually sunk, which led him to return home on a 30 day survivor leave. And um, him and Lorraine were married at this time. Mm -hmm. But I think this was important to note because at this time when he was enlisted in the Navy, Ed had a near death experience. Yeah. Which very, you know, traumatizing for people. Um, and I think maybe this plays into a lot of things that go on. Um, but he said he prayed to someone for help and he came back to life and he believed he was saved by someone or something. So that's, that's really interesting, especially because it's world war two. So how much of it is survivor's guilt? How much of it is what they refer to as shell shock, which is PTSD and like, how did that play into, you know, who he would become later on in the 20th century? Right. And I think it's important to note here, um, they are devout Catholics. So they have very, very strong religious beliefs and they are true and true Catholic. And that is how they approach investigation. So when I say he was praying to something, he was praying to like Mary, Jesus, God, and he believed someone had saved him. So, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Everyone's allowed to have their religion and belief systems. We love Catholicism here. have no problems with it. Um, But I want everyone to remember this as we're going through the investigation, because I think this shapes the way They think about the paranormal and what they're experiencing, if anything. So anyway, in 1952, this is probably Mm -hmm. where it is the most important for uh, Ed and Lorraine. They found the New England Society for Psychic Research, NESPR, which is one of the oldest ghost hunting organizations in America. Um, One of the oldest, one of the most profound. And this is where our journey really begins. So Ed and Lorraine are this couple. Great. He has this near-death experience. They're talking more. Um, They both realize that they both growing up have had their own experiences with the paranormal. So in some interviews, Ed states that he grew up in a house he believed was haunted, which could be a possibility. Okay. Um, but he believed he saw doors opening and closing and he was just genuinely fascinated by the paranormal, which was the reason why they founded this ghost hunting organization. Gotcha. Lorraine believed she was clairvoyant. Um, so she has abilities. Um, and she even has said she, from a young age was able to see auras around people that not other things that other people couldn't see around people. Okay. So during, um, the investigations, one of Lorraine's favorite investigative techniques was to lay back on beds in a house, which she claimed allowed her to detect and absorb the psychic energy in a home. So we actually have photos of this, which Ten and I will post probably yep. on Instagram. Um, but before I get into like how they became famous off of ghost hunting, I think like as someone who is a professional medium, she's not calling herself a psychic medium. She's calling herself a clairvoyant. That claims to talk to dead people. That's what I was absolutely going to bring up. I because seeing seeing auras or you know lights, light sources, energies that nobody else is seeing, is that the same as being a medium where you are seeing the spiritual plane, you are seeing entities, individuals, whatever have you on the other side? You know, what's the difference? So mediums are the definition of a medium is someone who could talk to the dead and we've talked about this before 
just because you're a medium doesn't mean you could see spirits. Mediums Correct. are communing with spirits who are on the other side and already crossed over. Mm-hmm. Now, I do believe some mediums have the ability to tap into like residual hauntings, which we've talked yeah. about, able to pick up on um, energy. That's yeah. why, you know, residual hauntings, if you listen to the Gettysburg episode, Gettysburg's not necessarily haunted by a million ghosts. It's holding residual traumatic energy. Yeah. And this is important to talk about before we dive into like these next pieces of the Warrens. Mm-hmm. So when Lorraine says she's a clairvoyant, um, a clairvoyant is a person who claims to have a supernatural ability to perceive events in the future or beyond normal sensory contact. So you're seeing the future or something that is just not there. That's a very vague statement. Very vague statement. And to be honest with you, um, if you've been here for a while, I don't really love the term clairvoyant. I don't really know what that means. Um, it's it's not really like specific to things. And it's like mediums, yeah. you know, talk to the dead. Correct. What is a clairvoyant, right? Are they people that see the future? Do they see into past or do they see into certain events? Um, I'm unsure. So already there calling herself a clairvoyant to me is like, personally, I find it to be a red flag. And if you identify as a clairvoyant, I'm open to hearing you out. I just don't understand what it means. Yeah, because your definition that you just gave is almost like seeing future events. Like it's very on par with, you know, how they're portrayed in media as like, like fortune teller kind of. I was I would call that prophecy then. And and we don't have to sit here and debate this right yeah. now. But I guess maybe because I study ancient practices, like that's more of oracular prophecy to me. So I would call myself like an oracle or something. It, correct. Because I'm like, that's prophecy. That's oracle. Like that yeah Mm, gotcha that is strike one in my book yeah so i'm just yeah like she's not really calling herself a medium but she's claiming in these investigations later on that she is communing with the spirits that are in the house and these demons and it's like if you're but you're not saying you're a medium and you can't see and hear spirits you're only sensing what you think you're sensing so that's strike Mm -hmm. one for me of like your background is not checking out background's not checking out and Everybody keep that little fact dog-eared because that will become important later. Yeah. So the big question is, how did they get started into ghost hunting and like, how are they even famous? And I think their start into ghost hunting is so fascinating and maybe speaks to who they are as people and their background. Mm -hmm. So they would actually, remember, they live in the New England area. They would actually research houses that they believe to be haunted. (laughs) Or, you know, word of mouth at the time, because like the internet's not really big. Um, Yeah or in existence at this point, um, the way that it should be, they're Mm -hmm. going by word of mouth of people thinking they have activity in their home. So they would drive to the house and Ed was a painter. He was known for painting. So he would actually paint the person's house, which I think is entirely creepy, not go inside as a paint job, like paint, like a picture. Oh, what? Yes. Oh, wait, I thought you were like, oh, yeah, he like goes in and like he got he's got the rollers. He's doing the walls. I'm like, OK, sure. Like that checks out. You're going by hearsay. No, no. He would paint a picture of the home and then he would knock on the homeowner's door and be like, oh, like I painted your house for you. Um, And he would offer them the painting. And then the homeowners would like, I guess maybe it was a different time. Ten. I don't know. They would like let them into their house and they would strike up a conversation with the homeowner and they would learn more about the property and the hauntings. And this is how they began their investigations by basically weaseling their way into people's homes this way to be like, okay. And I admire the enthusiasm for paranormal investigations. Um, but they're like talking to people being like, okay, here's the painting of your house. And by the way, like, is your property haunted? Yeah. I picked up on that, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we should do an investigation here for no money. Like we're going to investigate. 
everything about that is just like I don't know wild of start to finish like wow I painted your house oh my gosh like what a beautiful like entryway you have like tell me about this property I was really drawn to the architecture and everything and you know people are talking it's what the late 60s at this point but like you know everybody's nice and neighborly (laughs) just like oh my god yeah you know shit's fucking crazy doors are slamming things are knocking like who opens with my house is haunted? Would you like entry place? <laughs> yeah. So that's how they started. And um, I want to make a note here that as they became more prominent in the paranormal community, they stood really as consultants to predominantly Catholic families who were mm-hmm. suffering from these quote unquote household demons. So um, I want everyone to remember this, that they were serving predominantly Catholic families and um, with Catholicism. There is a belief in the spirit realm, but anything that you really encounter, if you're super devout, is going to be demonic to you. So that is the belief here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to quote here. Um, we we talked about the Amityville house, and this this has to dive into like their religious belief. Uh-huh. So with the Amityville house case, um, spark notes if you didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was a murder where the son murdered. Um, his entire family. Yep. And it was a very tragic case that they said was demonic possession. Um, one thing that Lorraine Warren was quoted saying, it was her belief that a lack of religion, what was often open, what was what opened the door to malevolent forces to enter a home of the Amityville house. So she believed because these people weren't actually devout Catholics, they let a malevolent spirit and force into their home. And that's why they got murdered. Yes. Wow. Wow. So this is, I I just have to add this in here because this is how Catholic they are. And I need to make this very clear as we dive into the paranormal investigation. Yeah. Okay. So how do they become famous? Right. Because we're like, okay, these people are just randomly in new England entering people's homes being like, oh, we have this paranormal society, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. How the fuck are they influencing Hollywood at this point? Right. Like what's going on? Yeah. What the (laughs) So the first case that actually got media attention um, occurred in their hometown of Bridgeport, Connecticut in 1974, which was more than 20 years after Ed and Lorraine began their work. So they had been doing paranormal investigations for 20 years, not really anything happening, but this, this is where it begins. This is where it hits. So I'm going to give you a little background on this uh, investigation. Um, And then Ten's going to go into, you know, some of the weirdness that goes on after this. I think this is where it gets weird. This, this, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when fame hits them, right, the Warrens family friend contacted them and informed the Warrens of the paranormal activity um, of local Bridgeport residents Jerry and Laura Goodwin were experiencing. Okay. So um, I also pulled this, I believe, from um, the New York Times. I just want to make sure I'm citing my source. (laughs) So Apparently, these people in this house were having poltergeist activity. Okay. And if you don't know what a poltergeist is, it's a spirit that actually can like throw things and move things and open doors. It has like this great force behind it. And yeah. they can, they're very malevolent. Like they can be dangerous. Yes, they, they are a little bit more physical, if that makes sense. Like they're more interacting with the physical because of the force that is like behind them. Yeah. So I've experienced poltergeist activity before. 
I, they whip things across the room. Like they can, they can aim for your head. Like I'm sure you've seen it on some paranormal TV shows that are legit, like where the spirit actually chucks something that's poltergeist activity. Yes. Okay. So this is where their case gets a lot of attention. So, um, a large media presence was called to the area as they were conducting their work and actually like huge news stations were sitting outside the house as Ed and Lorraine were investigating here. So I guess because it became such a phenomenon in the area, like local news stations um, started to pick this up. Interesting. So I think something behind the word poltergeist, right? A lot of people, um, what's that movie? Um, God, the Exorcist? No paranormal activity. That was poltergeist activity. So people think yes. spirits often can just chuck and throw objects. It's not common, but that yeah. is a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So then they, after this, they started to gain huge traction in mainstream media. Um, and they appeared on everything from the Merv Griffin show, the Tom Snyder show, a haunting and scariest places on earth. And from there, their notoriety grew. So they expanded their audiences by being on media, um, And this is what I find interesting. Mm -hmm. They engaged in a lot of like college tours and lectures. They were going to colleges and basically doing presentations on like demons and the paranormal. And what were they, were they just categorizing demons as a whole? Because I know that's something that in my own research, I had a lot of questions on of if you are a demonologist as Ed Warren is claiming to be, wouldn't you almost kind of go into like categories or classes and subclasses of what is the difference, let's say, between a poltergeist and a succubi? Like, what is the difference here? So good question. They're not. Um, Their main (laughs) goal actually was what I was about to say is their whole entire point of doing a lot of these paranormal investigations was to prove that the devil was real. And they do have a lot of published books. And in their books, like that is the point they are always trying to get at is like, there is hell, devil is real. Um, But I call bullshit on that because as someone who studies every sort of entity, including demons, there are different hierarchies to demons. And if you're calling yourself a paranormal investigator or a medium that can see things, these are things that you know and understand from communing with the spirits that are around you. And this is why I don't believe in her crap. Yes. There's no classifications going on here. There's none other than I've only seen three poltergeist a demon full umbrella term and then which a succubus falls underneath demon mm-hmm. so like really it's just like two categories and because they're mainly based in the northeast in connecticut with a few instances going to england why are you not also taking into consideration what else is going on locally what else is over there it's truly just poltergeist or demon like what else is there Right. Sometimes it could just be a spirit. It's not always just like a poltergeist that's like doing crazy shit. But their whole point of like these investigations, um, like I said, they're very devout Catholic, was to prove that the devil is actually real. And um, this is like the last piece I have for this. The Warrens continued to do television appearances and Lorraine even had a cameo in the famous Conjuring movie. Um, so she actually appeared in the conjuring, which is based off of one of their cases where it's problematic if you just read the story of like mm-hmm. they well, we're going to go into it on Patreon, by the way, for Patreon, you're going to be getting um, this month, we're going to be diving into The Conjuring and Zach Baggins, who also took a trip to The Conjuring House, which, you know me, 
I personally have a bone to pick with him. So he claims he got injured at the conjuring house and I need to study the case. And we're going to be filming that for Patreon this month. So if you want more like in depth, we're going to be diving into this in depth more on Patreon of like, what is actually going on at the conjuring house? And what is this? Ted and I read the story and we were like, I'm pretty sure this is like racist. I think. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a lot wrong with everything. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is not correct, but what do we know? There could be paranormal activity at the conjuring house. I sometimes think there is paranormal activity in certain instances, but categorizing it and making it into this like hullabaloo is what's making me go insane. Like I've been at Gettysburg, the most fucking craziest place on earth. Like, What I think is pushing me over the literal edge is the fact that in all of these sources I've come across, it mentions briefly at the beginning that the Warrens, they, they were really trying to find the facts and, you know, put science in everything and like make it physical and normal before paranormal. And I was like, show me where, because these people get wind of a door shutting on its own and they're immediately at that front door ringing the doorbell but you gotta be catholic though have you heard the good news (laughs) yeah also i want to note too during this time period um ted and i and ten has a better timeline of this but satanic panic was going on during this time which we want to cover i i'm fat i've I've been saying this we said this in the lucifer episode um satanic panic is a fascinating if you want to like go down a rabbit hole what the fuck is going on in the 80s and the warrens are contributing to it you know what i mean they're contributing to this crazed paranoia madness and psychosis of people of satan is entering your home through your faucet you know what i mean like it's crazy but it's it's so true and i mean as we you know looked at it in the lucifer episode and on patreon and luciferianism you know satan or satan is truly just the adversary the devil or el diablo really doesn't appear until later on so like these are very different you know entities beings all of that kind of stuff which again where is your classification ed Uh, if you're a demonologist a demonologist show me your show your work cite your sources to be honest with you ed who's deceased (laughs) Maybe I talk to him. We'll perform necromancy to raise his ass up for an interview. Like, what are you doing with your life now? I'm more afraid of Yahweh who flooded the earth with Noah's Ark. Okay. So this is, they're contributing to the satanic panic, but how about you look in your own backyard? Okay. Well, they were. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and we say, and no disrespect to God, but it's like, you know, he's done some crazy shit too. And, you know, all of this you know, satanic panic, what's going on, what else is being kind of pushed in Hollywood and what are philosophical school of thoughts, you know, doing right now, where is science, where is logic? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we, before we even begin to press the timeline of what's going on in the 20th century, we have to briefly look at the 19th by looking at the fact that scientists during the late 19th century were looking at physical or elemental imprints that were kind of left at places. So today, Chelsea and I very much refer to them as residual hauntings where like the area holds that energy. If, you know, something bad happened, you know, look at the Amityville house, look at Gettysburg, like that is going to seep into the land. I mean, it makes absolute complete sense. Like when I heard that concept of like a residual haunting and then we did some deep diving in today of like, mm-hmm. oh, so it actually is not coming from the paranormal community. It's coming from a scientist. <laughs> a scientist is studying this. And he believed that like words really had an effect. Like after you spoke them, like 
And it makes sense because you know when you're angry and you're having a fight, yeah. the energy is still in the house and you feel it. You know what I mean? From all the horrible like things you said or like the anger coming out of you, yeah. it's like holding on in the house. Yeah. Open a window. So that concept always made sense to me because everything really is just, all scientists can agree, everything's just energy. Yeah. So we have that concept going on in the late 19th century. And then we get into the 1900s and, you know, Ed is in World War II. So he's 1944, you said? Let me scroll back to my timeline, if you will. Um, 1945, close. 1945. So the Wolfman, which is a Hollywood movie about like a werewolf, he comes out in 1941. Ed has, you know, he survives a sinking, 1945. Twilight Zone, like the OG Twilight Zone, is 1959 to 1964, okay? Annabelle, the case of the possessed doll, 1969. And this is going to be in the Conjuring universe. And this case is really a doll possessed by a spirit, for lack of a better, you know, spark now. Then we go to 1971, which is the Perron family. And this is the Conjuring house. And spark note before we dive deep into it on Patreon is a witch cursed the land. Yeah, this is the story behind the conjuring house, which I didn't know, by the way, until I looked into it. And I was like, what's the deal with this conjuring house? See, this is exactly why I say like they're bullshit because they know so much about an investigation. I don't mean to cut you off before they go in. Real mediums, when they go to do investigations, do not look up anything. Yeah. They do not know anything. Like when I went to Gettysburg, mm-hmm. okay, I knew the Civil War happened there. Yeah. My dad purposefully booked a haunted hotel and didn't tell me. I I was like blindfolding myself. I was like, I don't want to know. Don't show me anything. Like, yeah. They know too much about things before they go in and it skews you. We're humans. No, you're so right. Even Ghost Adventures with Zach Baggins, like the first half of their episode is them going to wherever in the u.s getting a tour at the location where they are you know spending the night and you're talking to the locals you're talking to the historians who are giving firsthand accounts of oh well uh a woman in white was seen by this window and uh john doe was over here and on this floor and when you go in that night for your investigation you're going to be looking for a woman in white and a man on the floor. Like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Can I, can I actually tell you something? There's like some haunted restaurant here in Pennsylvania and they capitalize. I can't remember the name of it. If I do, I'll, I'll maybe I'll call it out. They capitalize off the fact that it's haunted. So my dad, anytime he goes to a haunted place, he sends me pictures because remember we just talked about energy and things like that. And like, I could pick up on things from just looking at a picture. Um, psychometry, like we've, we've spoken about, Mm -hmm. he sends this picture to me and he goes, um, is this place haunt? Like, what are you getting from this? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not really like getting too much. Like I'm getting faintly this. And he's like, no, that's wrong. They say there's a woman here that she weeps back and forth and she's haunting the place. I'm like, no, 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 there's nothing here. Like I'm looking at this photo and I'm like, he's like, well, that's what they say. I'm like, yeah, because it's an attraction at this point. Who's they? <laughs> Yeah, the people in the restaurant, like, I was like, Dad, I swear to you, I'm not usually wrong about paranormal investigations. I've never been wrong, really, and I'm just going to pat myself on the back. It's not like an egotistical thing. It's like, I'm very good at reading places, and I wasn't getting anything from that photo. I'm like, I don't know. I don't really think it's haunted. That's not what people want to hear, though. 
No, they want to hear it's haunted poltergeist central, man. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be able to be like, no, it's actually just like people just being people. People just being people. Because if I tell Chelsea right now, don't think about coffee. What are you thinking about? I just thought of a latte. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's not an original thought. She's not investigating anything on her own right there. No, no, exactly. So <laughs> that that's important like to note. Um, you yeah. know, I, I think really credible medium shouldn't know anything like mm-hmm. at all. No. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so with the Conjuring House in 1971, um, this is for the movie The Conjuring. And while in the movie an exorcism is performed, that didn't actually happen. So for them, they did a seance. And Jesus, because of the seance and what occurred then, the Warrens were asked to leave. And to stop investigating because it was putting the wife's mental health at risk. Oh, shocker. With a lot of the things that go on here, um, they're putting people's mental health at risk. Uh, Amityville is 1975, and this is adapted in the opening of Conjuring 2. Uh, We have the Enfield Poltergeist in 77, and this is demonic possession. Mm -hmm. And this is the premise of Conjuring 2. So it opens with Amityville, and then we go into the Enfield Poltergeist. This is when Satanic Panic is starting to happen, by the way. Yes. And this one's interesting because it only occurred to the daughters, nobody else. And in 2015, the daughter, one of the daughters who was a subject of the investigation, came out and said she made it up. Okay. Um, the Warrens were also not invited for this investigation. They just showed up. They just wormed their way in and were like, okay, we'll, we'll investigate. And the owner was told by Ed, we can make some real money off this place. Yeah. Yep. Um, the devil made me do it is 1981. And this is, uh, the conjuring three. And this is demonic possession yet again. Mm -hmm. and this is when an individual actually would unfortunately go on in a mental health crisis to kill his landlord and it has come out in the 2000s that his brother spoke out against it and said my brother was suffering a mental health crisis and actually tried to sue um based on that and the individual who went to trial and subsequently to jail he put in a plea of like insanity and yes the devil made him do it the plea according to his lawyer was the warren's idea i did read that and i did read that he never said sorry and he just kept saying that i was possessed by the devil There's also a discrepancy in this investigation with whether or not exorcisms were actually done as they are recorded as priests named in the investigation say none ever took place. So then we go to the Snedeker family, which is 1986, which is the haunting in Connecticut. Can I, can I interject really quickly on the devil made me do it? I have an actual quote from Lorraine Warren about that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Before we move on. So, um, she made a lot of money. They made a lot of money off of the devil made me do it, even though it ended in like some really tragic things. Like I highly suggest you look it up. Like we are going to d- deep dive into these cases. If you're like, I want to know more. I want to know more. We just have to lay the groundwork because they have done so much damage to like people, to the paranormal, yeah. to demons, to entities, etc., to the dead. This is just so, a spark notes. 
someone asked Lorraine after the devil made me do it, like happened, Mm -hmm. like this whole case happened. She goes, will we have a book written about this? Yes, we will. Will we lecture about it? Yes, we will. Are they talking to writers and movie producers? No, we're not. Our agents at the William Morris agency are. So they already, it's like they take these investigations and then they already put them into production of like, oh, we're going to capitalize off this. And fun fact, they never actually charge people for the investigations Mm -hmm. because they make so much money off of what happens afterwards. Yeah. So anyway, continue. I just had to add that little side note of like direct quote. This is something she actually said. And to just kind of take a step back with the Enfield poltergeist, um, while the Warrens were uninvited, they were only there for a day, but then blew this to epic proportions. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? Also like paranormal investigation should stay between you and the client. Unless like, why are we making this? Like it's, it's, it doesn't serve the client well to make this a mass media production when it's a very yeah. traumatizing, scary thing when people have these entities in their space. Yeah, we're not going to go to a haunted location. Something happens and we're going to go, hello, Hollywood, this is Chelsea and 10. Like, are you insane? Let's make a movie out of this one. (laughs) Ah, geez. So moving back to the uh, Snedeker family, which is a haunting in Connecticut, if you're wondering what the movie is, um, demonic possession. Now, when this movie came out, Lorraine was still alive and she claimed that this movie was sensationalized and they're wrong. And I'm like, all right, that's a bold claim coming from you. Right. And the book that was written about this investigation is A Dark Place. And the author who was writing alongside of the Warrens actually spoke out against this book, saying that when he was um, doing interviews with the family, uh, they couldn't get their story straight. And Ed, when he brought it up to Ed, Ed replied to the other author and said, they're crazy. You have part of the story. Just make the rest up and make it scary. Of course. And I mean, when we discussed the Amityville case, we we did have some evidence against Lorraine and Ed now getting mixed up on like what they said and like what was mm-hmm. actually true. Um, and they were like getting everything like ass backwards once again. It's like, so what is it? Is there stuff oozing out of the walls? Like you said, cause demons live in the house or are you guys just hallucinating? Cause what is it? And Honestly, I don't know. The author came out and said it was a hoax and that the family was going through stresses such as alcoholism and drug abuse. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the Smurl haunting, which the hauntings and the events that the owners of the house are talking about occur from 74 to 89. So, quite a bit of time and this is also turned into a book and it's a haunting they hear pig noises and it apparently attacked their family dog so the warrens show up they claim that it's haunted and a message appears on the mirror saying get out it's like okay that sounds like a scooby-doo episode but okay yeah and of course priests are brought in to bless the house but the priests who are brought in comment that nothing occurred and that the Warrens, in fact, did not seem sincere and, in fact, were sensationalizing everything. And the priest then said it wasn't haunted and the family was likely in a state of stress due to their child's health issues. So the priests are now commenting on the fact that it's like, well, bless this house, but, like, you're wrong. Right. There's, like, actually nothing here. Um, so did you say something they say? Yeah, I was going to say it's interesting because I talk about the dead files a lot on this podcast, which yes. I love. Um, Amy <laughs> Allen just finally took a much needed rest. She's the medium that walks through. And like, I always 
I always wanted to be her growing up. Like I not be her. I thought she was so cool. Like before mm-hmm. I was able to see, and I just think of her and like the work that the dead files do, which is exactly what the Warrens wanted to be, but they, they just sensationalized everything. I don't think they ever get enough credit for dead files, but she walks into investigations. She gets on an airplane, has no idea where she's going blindfold the whole time. They take all of the photos off the wall before she does her walkthrough. And she has no idea where she is. And she walks the house and talks exactly about what she's seeing and what her spirit, she's using the term, my spirit guides are showing me. Mm-hmm. Okay. My spirits that walk with me, my ancestors are showing me. So like, that's how I know she's legit because we don't do mediumship alone. You need a guide on the other side. And you're, she's also describing, you know, details of, you know, what she is being shown. She actually gets a sketch artist to draw it. And then her partner, he's a de- old detective from New York City. He does like the historical research of like the land and the homeowners and the house. And he conducts the interviews mm-hmm. with the people. And then at the end, they yeah. get together and present their evidence together. And it always matches. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ed and Lorraine are just like, whatever. Is it? Are you? Is it haunted? Are the doors slamming? Mm, sounds like a nice, cool, crisp hondo for me. Yeah, and like another thing they do on Dead Files, um, is that they actually suggest ways to help. Like Amy will let the the people in the house know if like they need to get like a specific type of shaman, um, a witch to help a certain person from a certain practice because different types of spirits, like with religious beliefs. Um, and she always like gives them like things to do to help the activity subside. Um, and I'm like, where is that Lorraine and Ed, if you guys can commune with the spirits in the house, you'd, you'd have the information to get rid of them or do something about it. Yeah, at most, I think the most descriptive Lorraine ever was in an interview was it's malevolent. And it's like, okay, well, what does it look like? But not everything is malevolent. Like, I'm sorry. This is why I get so annoyed with these things because it's like you're giving everything just a really bad name. Like not, okay, yeah, there are spirits that are like trickster and like, you know, we talked about parasites here. Mm -hmm. Sure, malevolent, but doesn't mean you can't get rid of them. But again- show your work cite yeah. your sources where where is that i have no idea but as chelsea said earlier satanic panic you know really came about in the late 70s but by the 80s it was so weeping across the u.s like, oh yeah it's crazy <laughs> satan, concept satan had the u.s in the 80s in a chokehold man satan's like, coming out of your faucet it's basically <laughs> satanic panic like don't turn the water on don't know. forever Mm-mm. So that's really happening like the 80s and it would spread also outside of the United States. Um, I'm also going to say Ghostbusters came out in 84. So we're we're also getting these ghost hunters who, you know, they are sensationalizing it. I mean, they're all, you know, improv. They're coming from SNL. Like it's not meant to be real. Then we have the South End werewolf case, which I finished a book on. Holy shit. I mean, I have to say I have input from this only because I play Nancy Drew games. So like I was able to like relate to 10 on this. I'm like, yeah, man, people convince themselves that they think they're a werewolf. Like it can happen. So the South End werewolf, it's occurring in um, England and it's in 1989. And this individual thinks he is like cursed and like turns into a werewolf. And I shit you not. 80% of this book is fluff. It's written by like a fourth grader at best. And there's no evidence. It's all thoughts. 
It's all stream of consciousness nonsense. And you're reading it and you're like, okay, well, where, how do we know that this is like a werewolf case? Like, yeah. How do we know it's real? We don't. Cause there's no evidence. Like, and that's what I really have gathered at the end of this timeline is there's no evidence. They're just saying shit and throwing stuff at the wall, green slime, if you will, and seeing what their biggest payout is going to be. No. And it's really sad because a lot of these cases are people with like deep rooted mental health issues. Like this guy who thinks he's a werewolf. Um, I've actually read studies where people have convinced themselves they are werewolves and therefore their body starts to react. Like they just start eating red meat. Like they convince themselves like the mind is really powerful. They convince themselves that they are some type of wolf or animal. And, um, you know, when I was in eighth grade, we used to have this kid who used to actually bark at us while we were waiting online for our lunch. And it's like, no one actually legitimately thinks he's a dog or a werewolf. We just think that this person probably has like some deep rooted mental health issue that like needs to be resolved or talked about or things like that. And it's like, why are we making this a book in a case? And why are you taking this as a paranormal case? What's yeah. going on here? And like even the quote unquote research at the beginning when they were discussing kind of like like Hanthropy and werewolf kind of mythology. And fun fact, we did a better job on our transformation in werewolf episode in season one than the fucking Warrens did. I don't believe in werewolves. So there, I said it. And I said it on the episode where you asked me, you were like, do you believe in it? I'm like, no, I really, I don't believe human beings can transform into werewolves. I'm sorry. That's where I draw the line. I draw the line. And there was no research. Every other page, the Warrens and their ghostwriter would superimpose like paragraphs or sections from like monster books so like um Jekyll and Hyde we have the werewolf we have Dracula like they're just superimposing all of this crazy shit onto it and it like Chelsea said this is a mental health issue this guy ended up in a mental health facility he was talking to a counselor a psychiatrist who was listening to him and was like yeah I believe you but like here's what you know you need to stay here and we need to work through this and the guy's like no i'm a werewolf i'm i've been cursed and it's like my brother in christ no no you're psyching yourself out into believing you are and whether it's becoming a werewolf or not we even have the case of um elizabeth the first sister mary who was queen of england convinced herself she was pregnant to the point where her body went through all of the changes that one would experience during pregnancy. It's true. You really can. Um, I think like the mind is like so much more powerful than we can ever understand. It's like, you really can psych yourself out when you get into those head spaces and it's probably like harder to get out of. Like, I really feel bad for these people. You know, it's like they needed help. And instead, like you have these two assholes, asshats mm-hmm. just profiting off of them. And like, do these people even get a cut of the check or the money or anything? No. And then this man had to fly from England back to Connecticut for an exorcism. Of what? An I don't exorcism know. Of what? What'd that do? Also an exorcism to my knowledge does not remove curses since this man believed that he was cursed. So like I'm, I am confused. Well, it's because once again, like I said, we have to remember that they're devout Catholics and like, so their way of getting rid of anything is through curses and I'm I'm sorry, not curses, exorcisms or things like that. But that's really only for exercising demons and blessing any malevolent 
energy out of your home, which do work. Like there are some priests out there that do really good work. And yeah, sometimes these things do happen where you have like these malevolent forces in a home that have to be rid of. It's just like us performing a banishment. It's just in Catholicism. Like it's different. It is different. And then when I was, um, cause I was like, damn, like they're really doing a lot of exorcisms. Like, don't you have to register or something? Like, I don't know. Aren't there rules? And yeah. I looked, I was looking up exorcisms as well and fell down that rabbit hole, but exorcisms were, they were occurring in the sixties, but during the seventies, which everybody turned back to your timeline, exorcisms were off the fucking charts. Yeah. Like everybody and their mother was possessed by a demon. The church was making that money in the seventies. They weren't getting rent rent is due. They weren't doing indulgences anymore. They were doing demonic exorcisms. Rent is due. The girls were girling. It's and it's wild because when you look at like Vatican guidelines of exorcisms that are issued by La Popa himself. La Popa. They even say you have to make sure that this is not a mental health anything. Like, you need to cross your T's and dot your I's and double fucking check because a lot of times it's going to be a mental health issue. Look and at the we church are advocating for the mental health of the world. I'm I'm shook a little bit. I'm just like, wow, look at that. La Popa. Damn. He really got legal involved. They got legal involved only for demonic possession. <laughs> yeah. Well, only for that, though. That's where the line is drawn in the same. I love, I love church jokes. I love cracking a good joke at the Catholic church. There are some crazy motherfuckers. But it's absolutely wild. And like, there's criteria that you have to like reach before an exorcism can even happen. So I'm yeah. like, where the warrants just like fudging everything? Like, where's the paper trail? I don't know. That's why like I go back to the Amityville case because one question you raised was, well, was the priest lying? And I was like, yeah, he totally was. They definitely paid this guy off. Like, just because he's a priest doesn't mean anything, you know? We all know that. Um, but yeah, I think like with anything you do, we always say this here at Sticks and Moans, um, normal before the paranormal, like check, check in with people and their mental health. Um, not everything is a paranormal case, you know, mm-hmm. not everything is a spooky, scary skeleton creeping out of your closet. It's sometimes just like something that we can't help with that requires medication or like therapy or something like that. Absolutely. And even before, you know, Chelsea and I hopped on this podcast, one of the um, one of the places of the cases with the Warrens actually talked about, you know, the family moved into a house and it was an old funeral home. And because I have lived in an old funeral home before that, you know, we also experienced weird things, but I'm not getting the Pope on the phone to do an exorcism. Like, no, I I mean, like, please like let's put our thinking caps on and let's let's be logical okay (laughs) yeah i think it was the time for sure um this is where i think a lot of damage happened in the paranormal community and spirits and demons and things like that and i think it's changing like you have like a lot of good investigators like yeah i really like kindred spirits i think they're really good i love dead files um i think taps taps is my favorite ghost hunters um they're they don't even bring mediums in like i said they just literally work with like science and technology and if they catch nine times out of ten they don't catch anything because they're like oh we couldn't catch it on film so we can't definitive definitively say this place is haunted um and you know i just think like like i said this is the hill i die on i think mediums like actual mediums need to be brought into these certain instances and like people that are actually ethical with like a moral compass Mm -hmm. before anything because 
this is what happens when you don't have an ethics code. This is why we always say, what's your ethics? If you're going yeah. to a medium, ask them, a spiritualist, what's your ethics code? Because this is the shit that happens. Ethics code, you know, can you give evidence? And I think that's the biggest, you know, shot here is that there's no evidence. Yeah, people can claim, Lorraine can claim to have all these, you know, capabilities and everything, but where is your evidence at the end of the day? Right. Right. Like, are, do you have testimonials from clients? Like what, what, what is it? Are you telling people in interviews, which I have not read anything of it, of being like, oh, well, the demon, let's say, looks like blah, blah, blah. It feels like blah, blah, blah. Like you're just saying it's a demon. Next case. Like, no, show your work. Yeah. What is your, um, also, if you're on YouTube and you see Pluto standing in front of my microphone, it's because it's his dinner time and he is peeved that I am not listening to him. So he's trying to cut my line of communication off. <laughs> he's like, look at him with his back towards me now. He's like, oh, fuck you. Um, anyway, yeah, that's why I always say like I'm an evidential psychic medium because the first thing you have to provide to people is evidence. Because obviously I know I can't capture on camera what I'm hearing because it's a gift. So I have to come with something that's going to blow your mind. And again, my question still stands. What, if you're not in giving evidence or an evidential psychic medium, then what are you giving? You know? I don't know. I don't I, know. Like I said, I, I don't get it. Um, I have and, some questions. <laughs> yeah, I've, I know we came out of like the, we came out swinging for this one, but I've done a lot of research on the Warrens and I've known they were, they were like really messed up for a very long time. And I just think they give like people that actually do this kind of work a really bad name and look, look what came out of it. Like conjuring Annabelle, things like that. It's like, these things still exist today that people indulge in and it's fine, but I don't know. I just think like people deserve better. The spirits, if there were any, there, deserve better. And most importantly, they profited off of someone's mental health issue multiple Probably. times. Tragedy of families. The Amityville house case is crazy. They literally profited off the dead. The devil made me do it. Amityville. Like, come on. No, I think you're the devil. Like, that's literally, you're the devil. Like, I found him there. He's right there. Yeah. Like, you better look in a mirror. God damn. Sit there. Like, the Amityville case is so intense and sad. Like, this man killed his whole family and they came in and said it was demonic possession. It's like, somebody no, died. Guy, he had issues. Like, that's the whole thing of like, they come in and they're just like, like, it's a ghost, man, it's haunted, that, but it's like, somebody died can we can we all like talk about that like why are we being jovial and making a mockery of this somebody died yeah right no it's um it's really crazy and in the amityville case too they've had homeowners since then that said there's nothing wrong with this place like it's just obviously a grave site like people died there there's probably some residual energy and mm -hmm. it's tragic and terrible and gruesome in all the ways but yeah. we can't come in here and say a demon possessed me and use that in a court of law didn't we talk about this in one of these our recent episodes of like you cannot sit in a court of law and say you know what your honor the devil possessed me and that's why i did it that doesn't oh, exist it's spectral evidence it and does. i know we'll be covering all of the spectral evidence when we tackle the salem witch trials i know i have really hot takes well we both have really hot takes for salem and i feel like people are going to maybe not like these takes but I think we're kind of gearing everybody up for that of like people died here 
I think we have to remember that actual human living beings died in a very tragic way. Yeah, we need to uh, not become like desensitized. Yeah, and it goes back to that conversation we had, I think, um, in the Fall Bucket List episode of like, we just become so desensitized to things because of the internet and like the things that we see. It's just like we as humans just kind of forget. But absolutely. um, Yeah, so did you have anything else you wanted to add for the Warrens today? No, but we are going to be diving deeper into the conjuring house itself with the witch. Did a witch curse the land? Who was doing what there? What the fuck is going on in Connecticut? And yeah, then we'll be diving into, I believe Salem comes right after that. So we're gonna be talking about it. So oh yeah, on Patreon too, we're also going to see if the story about Zach Baggins being horrifically attacked at the conjuring house is real. Um, I have a bone to pick with him. He is the modern day Warren to me. Um, so you can imagine where I'm going with that. Like when I was younger, I used to think he was so hot. Like I'm 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 embarrassed now holding myself accountable. (laughs) No, it's true. Like if you go back. And look at Zach Baggins, like, in the 2000s when he would wear, like, a really tight... The girls know what I'm talking about. Like, someone on here knows what I'm talking about. I do. And it was... It's annoying. It was the opening scene where, like, they would... And you could see his, like, back tattoos, like, sticking out. He's, like, a size medium large. And he's, like, okay, I'll fit in an extra small t-shirt. Men that wear extra small t-shirts when they're bigger are toxic. And that's the conclusion I've come to with tattoos. (laughs) That's my whole dating history. So. <laughs> anyway, now I can't stand him. I just look at him and I'm like, ah, I can't even believe. What was I thinking? Um, but he would always pop up on my TV when I was younger. My dad, my dad, um, he indulges in a lot of paranormal shows, and it sometimes would just be on in the background, and you're like, mm-hmm. who is that? Who's that man? Hey. Hello. Hello, I think sailor. He's dating Holly Madison now, which I hate because uh, I love her and it just makes me sad. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so this is our episode on the Warrens, frauds, or are they not? What do you guys think? Um, I know frauds. 10 came out and I came out this really biased, frauds. but I say they're frauds. Um, if anyone else wants to rebuke us in the comments, I I want to hear your thoughts. Um, comment on the YouTube video, comment on our Instagram, but we have a really good lineup happening for October. So hold yeah. on to your horses. We're, exactly. we're diving in. So <laughs> I hope everyone has an amazing day. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate our podcast in the store. Halloween collection is out. Don't forget to grab your goodies to protect you from the ghosts. The veil is thinning this month and we'll see you next time. Bye everybody. Bye.